All right, great to see everybody. Baptism Sundays are always joyful and meaningful, aren't they, when we get to praise the Lord for his work in one another's life. So today, sorry, I'm distracted by the Seattle Supersonics sweatshirt, Go Sonics. Um, Today we are going to continue in our series in the book of Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. So I want to encourage you to have a Bible open in front of you. Make your way to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to see in our text today two different visits, two different situations where the gospel was out of step in people's lives. And I don't know about you, as I've been reflecting on that this week, can you think of a time in your life when you have been out of step with something, where your life has not been in alignment? And in my life, for those of you that know me well, you're not going to be surprised at this. That's the story of my life all the time, specifically when it revolves around music, because I have no sense of rhythm or beat. I'm that guy who's always like one half beat off, right, with clapping. So as I've been thinking about a time where we're out of alignment, I wanted to share the story with you to kind of tee up things and because I'm going to embarrass myself. And again, you won't be surprised by this. So there was a time for me a long, long time ago, way back in college, where I was nominated to participate in this thing at George Fox University called the Mr. Bruin Pageant, right? All these two guys from each class do this like America's Got Talent thing and you raise money for charity. So part of this, you did your individual talent show, then all the guys like did this coordinated dance together. Why in the world did I ever do this? I have no idea, but I did. So weeks of practice, they even hired a dance coach to like practice and teach all these college guys that had no talent, like how to dance together with coordinated outfits. It's the day of the Mr. Bruin pageant. We're all in our coordinated outfits. A dance coach is like giving us last minute tips before the curtains open in front of literally hundreds and hundreds of people. And then the number starts. Everyone's in rhythm, but one guy, me. I was out of alignment. I was like a fish flailing. The guys are looking at me like, are you trying to be that awkward? Nope, I'm just doing my thing. It was for those of you that are sports fans, the Super Bowl a few years ago, remember Left Shark? I was Left Shark. I was completely out of rhythm, out of step, off beat. So I share that with you because I'm sure we all have times like that in our life where we've been out of step with something. And that's what we're gonna see together in our text in Galatians chapter two. But in Galatians chapter two, we're gonna see that it's being out of step, out of alignment with the most important reality in the universe. And that's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text is gonna highlight what we've already been seeing in Galatians, what we're gonna continue to see, that the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. So I'm going to read for us now Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. This is God's word. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately, before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Verse three, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, 
To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be, be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when I saw that they had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back, drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? So before we consider God's word together, let's go to, before him in prayer. Please bow your heads with me. Father God, we need you right now. We need to hear from you. I pray that you will focus us on you now. Quiet our hearts. Give us a deeper understanding and a deeper love for you as we hear from you in your word. Reorient us today to your gospel. Open your word to us now and open us to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to see two different visits in our text today. First, in verses 1 through 10, we're going to see a visit where the truth of the gospel was at stake. The second visit we're going to see is verses 11 through 14, and that's where the truth of the gospel was not in step. So first, verses 1 through 10, the truth of the gospel at stake. So in verses 1 through 10, there's a lot there. Verses 1 through 10, Paul is already continuing his argument we've seen so far in Galatians. And again, that's that the gospel is Jesus plus nothing, and that this gospel isn't derived from human beings or it has a human origin story. Okay, that's the argument we're seeing in Galatians so far. So here in this first part of chapter two, Paul goes to Jerusalem and he communicates this gospel to the pillars of the church. And who does Paul bring along with him? His wingmen, right? Barnabas and Titus. He brings them along with him to Jerusalem and Paul goes, not on a sightseeing trip, he goes because he's concerned. He's concerned that there could be two different types of Christianity developing. One that's Jesus plus nothing gospel and one that's a gospel plus something else. A gospel plus religious performance or cultural preferences. So Paul's concerned. He brings Barnabas and Titus to Jerusalem to meet with the pillars of the church. What's really important here is that the Jerusalem leaders, I'm kind of teeing up 10 ver packed verses here. What's really important is that the Jerusalem leaders, they didn't require Titus, 
who was a Greek, who was a Gentile, to be circumcised. We see that right in verse three. Now these verses, I'm just gonna say it this way. For those of you that like Hobby Lobby and you go and like look at the really pretty Bible verse signs, I guarantee you there's not one here. Galatians chapter two, verse three that says, and they didn't require Titus to be circumcised. Like you're not seeing that sign, right? (laughs) But that doesn't mean it's not important because it's crucially important. This is actually one of the most important scenes in the history of Christianity, in the history of the church. So think about for a minute, right? The setting, the characters, who's involved here? Paul, Cephas, meaning Peter, John, and James. When you do a quick uh, perusal of the New Testament, that's basically most of the people who wrote our New Testament, right? Talk about an important meeting here in Jerusalem. And as we're gonna see, the stakes of this meeting literally couldn't be any higher. It was a meeting that had significant consequences then in the early church and carries with it significant consequences for us today too. So what happened, right? Just a quick summary of it. These Jerusalem pillars they're called, what did they do? They didn't add anything to Paul's gospel that he had been preaching to the Galatians. Instead, they ratified Paul's gospel and gave him the right hand of fellowship, it says. So why is this meeting so important? On first read through, I hope you're reading the book of Galatians from beginning to end to kind of whet your appetite for it before we hear it preached, right? You could feel like, wow, this is kind of like an excursion or a side issue, but it's not at all to the argument of Galatians. This meeting is so important because look what was happening, the tension point. Verse four, because of false brothers brought in. And what did these false brothers, Paul calls them, say? What did they do? They slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ so that they might bring us into slavery. What a scene. There's spiritual espionage going on here in Galatians chapter two. So who are these spies and what are they saying? Just real quick, if you flip back to your Bible, Acts chapter 15, verses one and five speaks to this group of people and what they're saying, what they're believing, what they're trying to convince other people about. So Acts chapter 15, verse one, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, According to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And then verse five, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. So that's the essence of who these spies are and what they're trying to convince people of. But what does Paul do with this spies message? Look right down at the Bible in front of you. Look at verse five, what's it say? Paul and Barnabas and Titus didn't do what? They did not yield in submission for a moment to these spies. And why? So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. The truth of the gospel preserved for Galatians, the truth of the gospel preserved for us today as Gresham Bible Church. Paul calls these spies, he's not sugarcoating it. He calls them false brothers because they believed the gospel was Jesus plus something, Jesus plus circumcision. 
Really, they were saying in its essence, at its core, it was Jesus plus religious performance and cultural preference. So Paul calls them false brothers. So we know what Paul is saying here, right? These people professed to be Christians, but they were not because they were perverting, distorting, adding on to the gospel. And what does Paul call adding on to the gospel? It's not a matter of like some unimportant fact. Paul calls it here in our text, your freedom is at stake. To add to the gospel is slavery, he calls it. So I want us to lean into this and see that connection. To add on to the gospel is slavery. Well, why is that? Galatians 2 just tees it up for us. The Christian's freedom, your freedom in this room that profess Jesus Christ, your freedom is based on truth. It's based on doctrine. It's based on orthodoxy. It's based on the truth of the gospel. And when the truth of the gospel is at stake, what the gospel is, then your freedom is at stake. That's what's happening here in this scene that's so important for us in the first half of Galatians 2. Paul is saying this Jesus plus something gospel was not the truth of the gospel. And because of that, it was going to take away their freedom. Like you just seen the connections, gospel truth, gospel doctrine, and what it means for your life as a Christian. So that's the argument that's happening here in Galatians 2. The truth of the gospel was at stake. And don't, don't we see, I hope we see, how important that is. How important it was and how important it is for us right now on this Sunday here as we gather. And think about this scene back in Galatians 2. Like it really hadn't been that long since Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended, and the church started, right? Maybe 20 or 30 years. And this is already happening here. The truth of the gospel was already at stake. And this same pattern, the same temptation has been true throughout the history of Christianity, the temptation to add to the gospel. And why is this? We could explore this for a long time, but one aspect of this about why this is, this guy named Leslie Newbegin, he was an old British like missionary theologian guy. He put it like this. He said in a missionary context, in any culture, in any place, even in local churches, he said it like this. The first generation believes the gospel. The second generation assumes the gospel the third generation rejects the gospel. So we see this already right out of the gate at the beginning of church history, the dangerous pull to assume the gospel, which then leads to gospel drift and gospel rejection, okay? This pattern can happen in individual hearts and in the hearts and minds corporately of people of institutions, of churches, of universities, of cultural groups that first believe the gospel, by the third generation, they've rejected it. Wow. And that's because Galatians doesn't pull any punches, so we're not going to pull any punches when we're going through Galatians together as a church. It's because our default setting in our heart is to drift away from the gospel, not toward the gospel, right? 
But notice, and so you could be like, yes, yes. But then like, like, let's press into this a little bit better. Think about what these spies were wanting to add to the gospel. They were wanting to add the Bible to it. Like that doesn't make sense at some level, right? They were wanting to add the Old Testament laws, the laws of cleanliness, the law of circumcision onto the gospel. And that may seem strange to us, how can adding the Bible onto the gospel nullify the gospel? Like that doesn't make any sense, right? So we don't just want to read Galatians and like have it be like what Vicente said, just water or through a pipe, like goes in one ear and out the other. How could adding the Bible, the Old Testament onto the gospel, nullify the gospel? And the reason why is because these guys were called false brothers. They were spies. The reason why is because they didn't understand the Old Testament, They were adding the Bible onto the gospel, but they were understanding the purpose of the Old Testament and these laws of cleanliness. So Paul wasn't saying, I don't want you to mishear me here as we're kind of leaning into Galatians. Paul wasn't saying the Old Testament's not important. He wasn't saying we're new covenant believers. We don't need the Old Testament anymore. That's not what Paul was saying. But these false brothers were missing the whole point. They weren't honoring the purpose of the law that it ultimately points to the person and work of Jesus Christ. So the purpose of these Old Testament laws was to show you could never clean yourself up enough, right? You never could do that. You could never make yourself clean enough to be acceptable to God. For those of you that know your Old Testament, like just think about all these laws, and we don't have time to get into it today, but all these laws, by the end of someone doing or trying to do all those laws, they still needed a blood sacrifice, didn't they? They still needed atonement for their sins to be right with God, to be acceptable to God. So these ceremonial laws are fulfilled in Jesus Christ because it's Jesus Christ who makes us clean. But these spies didn't understand their Bibles. And so they're adding on Old Covenant, Old Testament onto New Covenant, onto Gospel, then it becomes Jesus plus something. So I just want to say this to us, encourage us as a church, for those of you that are members of GBC. What's happening here in Galatians chapter 2 is an example of how important it is that we read our Bibles accurately, that we read it in community, in the stream of orthodoxy, that we're not adding on to the gospel, that we see the individual parts of the Bible, no matter where you are in your Bible read-through plan, whether you're three months behind or you're right on today, right? That you see the parts in view of the whole and how it all fits together, how it all points to the person and work of Jesus Christ. It can be really easy to lose your spiritual bearings when you lose sight, when the compass of your heart doesn't have the gospel as your true north, then you start to add things onto the gospel, maybe even with the best of intent. So even today, maybe you're aware of this, even today there's different movements, maybe even people that are really popular on YouTube. Who cares? They're adding on to the gospel, misunderstanding the Old Testament and trying to bring it in to this side of the cross and they're misappropriating it and misunderstanding it, just like what we're seeing here in Galatians chapter two. 
So I want to encourage us, Jordan shared this in our announcements, like you make, yeah, that's all well and good. Well, let's do something about it. And we're going to do something about it by, praise God, we're going to have an adult Sunday school class, biblical theology, starting May 7th with Todd Miles. If you haven't signed up yet, please do. First class, May 7th, there's going to be donuts. Donuts and biblical theology. What a great way to start your day, right? And the reason I'm plugging this is because this is what biblical theology is. It's teaching us how to read our Bibles. Who is Jesus? How do I see the Old Testament? How does that work with the New Testament, etc.? So I would encourage you, if you haven't done so, sign up, participate in the biblical theology class, and lean into understanding our Bibles rightly so that we don't add on to the gospel. All right, so look down again. Put your finger on the text. Look down at verse 6. Notice again that it says these men of repute, the pillars of the church, they didn't add anything, didn't add anything to the gospel Paul was preaching. It says they added nothing to me is how verse 6 ends. Meaning again, just so we don't miss it, so we don't assume it, they didn't add anything onto the gospel. They agreed with Paul. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing. So I want us to think about this. Why do you think it says that nothing was added to the gospel? They didn't add anything to me. It could read, God's word could read in front of you, they didn't subtract anything from me. They didn't revise the gospel, but it doesn't. It says they didn't add to the gospel. So why is that important? It's important, again, the argument of Galatians, it's important for your freedom. For your freedom as a Christian, because adding to the gospel only brings slavery. That's the drumbeat of Galatians, and we're just going to keep leaning into this together as we work our way through all six chapters of Galatians. Nothing could be added to the gospel because the issue here wasn't just these spies who they're talking about circumcision. It was bigger than that. Paul's whole point here again is that the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. And the reason why that we mustn't add anything is because it's Jesus's righteousness that saves us and keeps us. It's not our own righteousness. So that was working through circumcision here, but it was bigger than that. It's about your freedom as a Christian because when you add on to the gospel, you're only actually guaranteeing you are going to be living in spiritual, emotional slavery. Over and over again, Galatians drives a stake in the ground that the gospel is Christ alone, through through grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone, on repeat, over and over again. Add anything to the gospel and you become a slave. That's the argument of Galatians. So why? We just have to like take a step back, right? This is God's word written for us once for all time. Why is adding to the gospel attractive to us as human beings, right? It has to be. Otherwise, no one would do that. (laughs) No one back here in Galatians 2, no one today. If it wasn't attractive to us, if it didn't appeal to us in some sort of way, we wouldn't have a tendency to add on to the gospel. And the reason why it does, if we're being honest, is because it appeals to our sensibilities, doesn't it? Especially right now in this time and this place. I grew up with parents, first-generation Christians who love Jesus, and I'm so thankful for them. And they taught me to like work hard, 
do my homework on time, like work hard at a job. Those are all good things. But when I start to cloak the gospel in those type of things, I'm adding to the gospel. It's appealing to me to add on to the gospel and make about my work instead of Christ's work for us. It's like when we're doing this, we think, again, if we're being honest, we think the gospel is like what gets us in the door. But now that you're on team Jesus, it's on you to perform really well as a Christian, to work really hard, to do your best, to be this and do this. And before we know it, unintentionally, we're over here and we're adding things onto the gospel. So it appeals to us. And what do we add on to the gospel? Much could be said, but we and those who have gone before us in every generation and every generation until the return of Jesus Christ will do this. We add on to the gospel often by adding on our own self-righteousness or our own religious performance. We add on to the gospel for salvation through our own righteousness, through what we do or don't do for Jesus. Or we can add on to the gospel with our own cultural preferences, that the gospel looks just like me in this time and place, in this culture, and then we become starting to add on to the gospel. We can add on to the gospel with politics, can't we? It's always been the case. It's the case today too. We can add on to the gospel by adding morality onto the gospel, as if it's your morality that saves you and makes you right with God. It's not. We can add on to the gospel by adding on our own brand of Christianity, or maybe like your favorite secondary doctrinal issue, and you add it onto the gospel. Galatians is showing us we can't do this. And if we do, it only leads to slavery. And we can't add on to the gospel because remember what we saw earlier already in Galatians? What is the gospel? The gospel is good news, not just good advice. So you can't add on to the message of the gospel with your own doing, with your own performance or with whatever that may be. Adding to the gospel, the reason why it says they didn't add anything to me because adding to the gospel only subtracts from it. That was true for the Galatians and that's true for us today. And again, Galatians, it's confrontational at some kind of ways, like in a loving kind of way. So I want to like keep leaning into this because we're all prone to this if we're being honest. The gospel is not just how you start the Christian life. We heard two testimonies today and saw two baptisms, praise the Lord. But then it's not on these, this sister in the Lord and this brother in the Lord to then earn God's grace and earn God's favor by how they perform as a Christian. The gospel is also how we grow in the Christian life. Here in Galatians 2, Paul deals with this potential problem of division in the church, of two different types of gospels. He deals with the problem of adding to the gospel by what does he do? The brilliant Paul. How does he address this? He doesn't add on to the gospel. He actually just goes deeper into the gospel. And he says, this is inconsistent. This is not the gospel. It's the gospel that brings freedom, not adding on to the gospel. This is because, again, our standing with God, your acceptance before a holy God is only based on the perfect righteousness of another, on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then because of and out of that righteousness, you're free to live the life God has called you to live, a life of obedience and faith 
and courage and love. But those things don't get added on to the gospel. They don't save you. Only the righteousness of Jesus Christ does. So I just want, I don't want us to miss this, okay? I, I, f- I feel like I'm just like beating the same drum, but I'm gonna keep beating it because it's the drum of Galatians, okay? If you add anything to Jesus Christ for your acceptance, for your righteousness, really, if you add any requirement onto the gospel for you being happy, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen in your life? You are setting yourself up for extreme disappointment, for slavery, for not being free as a Christian. Because whatever that thing is, you've added onto the gospel, and maybe it's a really, really good thing. Maybe it's even your kids following Jesus. Maybe it's having a really healthy marriage, having a job that you like. Maybe it's something really good. But if you add that onto the gospel, you are only gonna enslave yourself because that thing can't save you. It doesn't add on to your righteousness and you're only going to be living out of a place of slavery instead of freedom. When we add on to the gospel, we're just signing ourselves up to be slaves. That's the argument of Galatians here. But when it's Jesus plus nothing, well, that's a freedom that changes our life now and for all of eternity. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing, and it's really important. We're crystal clear on that and that that's the truth of the gospel. And it's amazing. When you you look at God's word, everything was written for our instruction. When you ask, when you're reading God's word, well, why is this verse here? Look at verse 10. It could feel like counterintuitive. Wait, we just talked about it's Jesus plus nothing. And then verse 10, the pillars of Jerusalem say, hey, Paul, by the way, you really need to make sure you're caring for the poor. That makes sense when you think about it because the gospel, Jesus plus nothing, has implications in our life. And one of them throughout the pages of scripture is that Christians are to care for the poor. So they can rightly say the gospel is Jesus plus nothing and then live free lives in view of this glorious gospel and care for the poor. So verse 10 is not in disagreement with the argument of Galatians that the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. So in other words, saving faith will be demonstrated through good works, but those good works aren't added to the gospel. They're implications of the true gospel. And we better not get that twisted. That's what Galatians 2 is saying. We will be tempted to do that until Jesus returns. There's the gospel, and then there's implications of the gospel. So this brings us to our second visit. So just first visit in Jerusalem. That's already a lot, right? We're just kind of scratching the surface. And then there's this second visit we're gonna see in verses 11 through 14. Look down at your Bible. What does it say? But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? If you had the DeLorean from Back to the Future, 
don't you wanna go back to this conversation? Paul is confronting Peter, the rock on which Jesus builds his church. He's confronting Peter to his face. His life is not in step with the truth of the gospel. Wow, so we should ask ourselves, what made Paul confront Peter like this? It's because Peter changed his eating habits? Why should Paul care about that, right? Just let him be. But no, this is a gospel issue. Why? Because verse 12 tells us, it says, because Peter, why did he change his eating habits? Because he was afraid. Because he was afraid of the circumcision party. That same group, those same spies we saw in verses one through 10. So why was Peter not in step with the gospel? Because of fear. Because of the fear of people. Maybe his fear of not being accepted by this group, or maybe even a fear of being persecuted by this group. And when you think about it, for those of you that know your Bibles, think of Peter. Isn't that like the story of his life? He's afraid, so he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sinks. He's afraid, so he denies his Savior just after in the garden. He said, Lord, I'll do anything for you. I'll die for you. But he's afraid, and so he denies Jesus. And fear here makes him behave, makes him act like his conduct is not in step with the gospel. Fear is a really powerful thing. If it can impact Peter like this, it can impact us like this too. So what did this fear do to Peter, right? We can't miss this. It made him live and act in a way that verse 14, God's word once for all time says this, their conduct, Peter's conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Wow. So in addition to this fear when you really lean into Galatians and who these characters are, the dynamics that's going on here, Peter was probably also adding on some ethnic bias here, some like cultural pride and preference that he was a good Jewish person. He shouldn't eat with these unclean Gentiles, even these Gentiles that are now professing faith in Christ. So these things, these dynamics in his heart make him change his behavior, change his eating habits. And now Paul says, hey, Peter, you're now out of step with the gospel. But we have to see, we have to see, remember earlier, Paul calls in verses one through 10, he calls these spies false brothers, right? He calls them that because they weren't Christians, because they had a different gospel. They were adding on to the gospel. Peter is not a spy, right? We know this. Peter is not a false brother. The reason why is because the nature of how Paul calls him out. Paul's not calling him out because of his convictions about the gospel. He's saying, no, your outward life is not consistent with your gospel convictions. You're a hypocrite is what he's saying. So he calls him out. So verses one through 10, the false brothers are not Christians. Peter is a Christian whose life is starting to get off even slightly, even by a few degrees from being in step with the gospel. And this was a really, really big deal. It was a really big deal for Peter individually and a really big deal for these Christians in the new church saying, whoa, Peter is now separating himself from the Gentiles. Maybe to be really accepted as God's people, then I have to live like this then I can't fellowship with these type of believers that I have to add on to the gospel. So this was really important. That's why Paul confronts him. So these verses highlight 
The reality, we've seen this already, we're going to keep seeing it in Galatians, the reality that the Christian life is a life of continual realignment to the gospel. If Peter needed that, wouldn't you agree with me? Each of us probably need that too. Each day is an opportunity to be realigned to the gospel to be realigned that God's mercies are new every morning, that his mercy is more that I can't add on to the gospel. And when I try to do that, I'm just choosing a path of slavery. And when I say that, that can sound kind of like Sunday schoolish, right? That can sound simplistic or overly reductionistic, but it's not. And it's not just because I'm telling you it's not. It's because God's word, the book of Galatians, is telling you that is not reductionistic. We are all prone to add to the gospel, and we're all prone to not live in step with the gospel. Just like Peter, fear makes us get out of alignment with the gospel in our lives. Maybe for you, it's the fear of not being in control. So then you add on to the gospel to get some semblance of control you perceive in your life. Maybe control of your own habits or control of other people. Maybe for you, you add on to the gospel from fear because of fear of what will happen. Maybe fear of what will happen to you or fear what will happen to your loved ones or maybe even fear of what's gonna happen in this city, in this state, in this country that you love. So then you add on to the gospel and the reason why you're doing it, your motive is fear. Maybe you add on to the gospel out of fear like, I don't see the gospel changing anything. What we really need is fill in the blank. And then you add on to the gospel to see the change that you want to see in yourself and in the world around you. But Galatians is saying, crystal clear, you cannot add on to the gospel or it's not the gospel. And when you try to do that in God's economy, the consequence, the penalty is you are going to start to experience slavery. You're gonna lose the freedom of the gospel. And really, when we do that, we're showing in our heart of hearts, we think that the gospel is just like Christianity 101. But to really grow as a Christian, you need blank, 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 and you fill in the blanks. But Galatians is saying, no, what you really need is the gospel. That's what Paul's doing here. He's addressing these huge issues in church history by going deeper into the gospel, not adding on to the gospel. I hope you can see like how important Galatians, how relevant it is for our lives today as Christians and for the church. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing, and that means everything. And then our lives are to be in step with that gospel. And when you think about how this played out in the Galatian church, how it plays out in us today, when you become a Christian through the gospel, when your life is a daily walk in line, in step with the gospel, that's what it means not to be in step. The root word there is ortho. It means to be straight in line with the gospel. When you are in line with the gospel, that doesn't mean that your cultural distinctives or maybe your preferences go away, but it means they're in the right place in your heart of your identity and your acceptance, right? You're not adding on to the gospel because the acceptance we all long for is based on the perfect work of Jesus Christ on nothing we can add to the gospel. 
It's been said that the gospel isn't just the ABCs for the Christian, it's the A to Z. And Galatians would say, yes and amen. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing. There's a quote here I wanna share with you as we move to a close from Martin Luther. Listen to this quote, should be a slide. It says, to progress in the Christian life is always to begin again. You don't graduate from the gospel. You don't advance past the gospel. As a Christian, you just go deeper into it because it's all from him and for him and to him. To progress in the Christian life is always to begin again. Amen. And that's where true freedom is found. So as we move to a close, I want to ask us two questions, brief questions, then an encouragement. Hear these questions now, pray about them throughout the week, and may they lead you into confession and repentance and deeper belief in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What have you been adding to the gospel in your own life and in the lives of others? Second question, where is your life not in step with the gospel? Where do you need a gospel realignment? And I ask you these questions in the spirit of Galatians. We all need each other. Peter needed Paul to ask him hard questions. We need to ask each other hard questions as a church family about the gospel, about our tendency to add to the gospel or not live in straight line with the gospel. Because whatever your answers are to those questions, we all desperately need the gospel, don't we? Because of the truth of the gospel that tells us we are sinners. We can't earn God's righteousness. And the gospel that tells us we're more accepted, more righteous, more loved, more forgiven than anything you can ever hope for or imagine. So the gospel gives us freedom to lean into questions like that. And then lastly, before I pray for us, if, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I would just encourage you not to waste this moment. <laughs> like today, come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Lay down your striving, whatever you try to live into to give you happiness and acceptance and find it in the perfect work of Jesus Christ and find the righteousness and the acceptance and the freedom that you were made for. So I'm going to give us a minute to consider what we've heard. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to respond together as we do through taking communion. So a moment to hear and pray and consider what you've heard today and what God may be calling you and how to respond. Father, we praise you for the gospel. We praise you that we cannot earn your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy, your favor that it's all from you. We praise you for that. We praise you for Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. We confess and repent. We're prone to add to the gospel, prone to live lives out of step with the gospel. Through your spirit, make us a gospel people. Make us a church family who treasures the gospel, tells the gospel, and lives lives that adorn your gospel. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.